Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast. <laughs> well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt. We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships. If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place. Here we go. Sherry, I have one sister, as yeah. you know. Yeah. You are aware of that. And she and I are really trying to work on, um, I don't know, getting closer, uh, having a better relationship. Yes. And it's not easy. It's not. Well, she she experienced my alcoholism right alongside of me. Mm-hmm. Well, not you were right alongside of me. She was From, miles away, yes. but she experienced it in her own way. And so we're trying to repair that. Mm-hmm. And we've got someone with us today who has way more than one sister. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks. It's good to have you. <laughs> Thank you. Sarah is uh, not in my shoes exactly. Sarah's not the alcoholic, but like Sherry, um, she's married to one. And but but her siblings, your siblings. I don't know why I'm talking. I'm looking right at you. <laughs> your siblings. Um, the relationship with them has been harmed by the alcoholism of your husband. Correct. It is a devastating disease. Yep. So that's what we want to talk about today. We want to get to know you and hear that story. I think a great place to start, Sarah, was is let's let's talk about what it was like growing up so we can understand what that relationship was like with your siblings. First of all, you are the youngest of six. 62. Six. 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 It was a lot. My started, poor mother and stepmother. She started listing the ages yeah. and I was like, I don't know. How many she said? That's a lot. So the youngest of six. Yep. Uh, you and one other. You have a sister yeah, and then sister. all the rest are and brothers. boys. Yep. And... Tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in your house. What what kind of things did you experience together as as kids? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was kind of an oops. It, it wasn't expected that I would be around or that I was coming. Now, do you know that or does the Pretty youngest much. always guess that? No. You know, my mom was 40. My dad was 44. Okay. And, you know, in, in, the, in the 60s, that, that was kind of weird. You know, I mean, it wasn't ex- normal, I guess. Um, and my sister thought, oh God, it's another boy, you know, and think, and she was so relieved that, you know, out popped a girl. Um, and of course my brothers, you know, they're boys are out having fun. They didn't expect this. Um, and then my mom, um, she had mental illness. Of course, back then it was hard to diagnose, but, um, it, she had um, early adult onset schizophrenia with paranoia. And my dad was an an alcoholic, um, which he was in the Air Force, and he retired the year after I was born. So then it really, um, you know, really took a hold of him then, because Air Force was his life. You know, he was a pilot, and and that's what he did. So um, I don't remember, obviously, you know, him being very drunk when I was little, but I remember that we had to be quiet around him. And mm. one of my earliest memories is waking up in the crib in their bedroom and I could see my mom down the hall and my dad was asleep here and I knew I couldn't make a sound. So I stood up uh-huh. and I'm just trying to catch my mom's attention, you know, cause I want out. I'm ready. I'm uh, ready to get out. So he as was as young as in the crib. You knew you couldn't make a sound. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, that was just, he was, he was an angry mm-hmm. alcoholic. Um, and then my mom would go into a mood and so there wasn't really anyone around to rely on. So I relied on my siblings. 
And, um, you know, most of them, the, the four oldest, they were doing their own things. Um, oldest brother had, was in the Air Force. And then uh, my sister, um, you know, she had her own life doing her thing. Um, we weren't living here. We were living in another state. So relied a lot on my friends' parents. You know, I remember playing in front yards back there. And, and of course, um, the brother closest to me in years, you know, he was my buddy. Um, he was my protector. I would go to him when things got scary. Mm -hmm. I would be by him. Um, I'm sure it irritated the crap out of him, but I would follow him around. Sure. And then when we moved, um, we would walk to school partially together and, he would have to split off to junior high, and I'd have to go to elementary, and I'd be like, I don't I don't want to go. Really? I don't want to go. You were super attached to him. Yeah, and he's like, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And, you know, it was just, he was my, he, sorry, he is my buddy. So. Well, it was, was filling that attachment role of a parent at that yeah. point, right? Yep. I don't mean to, like, super psychoanalyze, yeah, but that's no. what's going on, right? Yeah. And, wow. Um, you know, I can just look at him and know what he's thinking. Um, so it's, uh, you know, he's always supportive. You know, just do what you got to do. It's okay. You know, it's it's going to be okay. And, um, you know, he had to go away to college. And so it was me with my mom and dad. Hmm. And... um I know the last time they were alone with somebody, you're, so your oldest, yeah. when they were young, your dad wasn't in this condition. No. So, so no. no, nobody has taken the brunt of this all by themselves until you and me. Oh my God. Yeah. And, um, and that was for about five years. That's what you said. It was probably difference. about a good year and a half to two years. Okay. Um, in course, and then. My brother was big into sports, so he wasn't home a lot. You know, he would go out with his buddies, he'd do his sports, he'd be up early, you know, going to practice. And, um, you know, he, 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 my dad just loved him to death because he was the sports guy. You know, Mm -hmm. my dad loves sports and, and, you know, then there's me. It's like, God, we're just, they were tired, you know, by the time I came around Mm -hmm. and they'd traveled from state to state because of, you know, my dad being in the Air Force. So by the time I got there, it's like, oh, God, somebody else raised her, you know. And mm. I had a lot of energy, and so I, I'm sure I was irritating. Um, I, and I remember one time, um, I don't know, I maybe four or five, probably five, and, and my mom and dad got in a fight, and I was coming down the stairs, and, my you know, my mom wanted me to come and come with her, and my dad wouldn't let me. He's like, you stay right where you're at. And in, in, it was a, you know, more of a screaming match because my mom wants me to be with her and mm. I want to be with my mom, but my dad doesn't want me to be because he's trying to punish her. And and I just remember getting a, a book and sitting on the couch and just page, just reading the page, just don't focus on what, you know, I mean, I, my mind wasn't that clear in words, but my mind told me just focus on what you've got going on. Just keep... Just- yeah, keep turning the page. Yeah, just keep turning the page, and so I I turned to reading, and that's what I would do when my you know when my my siblings were gone, and this one time when when my um, sibling had gone away to college and everyone else was gone, um, my dad had been drinking, and I don't know what he did. He brought home a plant for my mom, and she pissed her off. She he was passed out on the couch, and she came over with this glass pot and crashed it on his head. Mm. And so, you know, I'm 10 or 11 trying to pull my mom off my dad, and, oh and my this God. was 
this was my life. This yeah. was managing my parents at 11 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know. I can't even manage myself for crying out loud. You know, I'm trying to find role models and they're gone. You know, they're off, you know, trying to, to have their life. Um, and so then fast forward, you know, you, you kind of grow up and you get older, you mature a little bit. You, I, I had a prayer book every night. I'd pray, you know, I just read that prayer book. It was my sister's from when she was, um, going through, um, communion and I didn't, you know, words didn't mean much to me, but I would just read them because this is a prayer and, and by God, you're going to get me through this. And, and all I could wait was until I was 18 and just get the hell out. Um, and so then, you know, my brother came back and, and he started working. And so it kind of helped, you know, take that pressure off just me. Sure. Um, and then my dad just really went into a, a down spiral with drinking. I mean, he, he went into his room, um, put a lock on the door, you know, no one could get in. Um, he was so bad that, you know, he would lay in his feces and his urine for weeks upon end. Oh my goodness. And we finally got in there and, um, I don't remember exactly how it happened cause I'd got, I'd been married and, and I was, you know, living in a different town here in the front range. And, um, I think my mom was able to get in there and called 911 and, um, we all came down, all the siblings came down, converged down there at the hospital. And I'd been just so angry at him for so many years, you know, just why, why wasn't, why weren't we enough? You know, and that's all I could ever think about. Why weren't we enough? What, Mm. what is it? I didn't understand. Sure. And the, um, he was court ordered. So the, the, um, a judge spoke to us kids and my mom and my mom was done with him. You know, she, she was just done. She didn't really care. And, um, I was pretty much always in my dad's face. You know, I think it started probably when I was maybe 12. So I was sick of it. You know, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't treat us like this. This isn't, yeah. this isn't normal. Right. My parents don't do this. And, um, my sibling said, you know, you have to say, you have to go in there and, and tell dad that he's, he, he either has to, um, go through rehab voluntarily or the judge is putting him in a home and you have to tell him. <laughs> Why do I have to tell him? Oh my goodness. You know, well, because you're the only one that can. Because you're, so now I, I was confronted so him the way you yeah. did, huh? Yeah, no. Wow. So I had to go into the hospital room and, I, you know, I was so angry anyway, it wasn't that hard for me. <laughs> and, and and I just said, this, here it is. You go, you're going to a home or you go through, you know, voluntary rehab. And it was, God damn it and you know he was just furious and of course they had him you know on that drug that you um went for detox so that you don't kill yourself Mm -hmm. or you don't die from so he was like that for a week and then um he went into a rehab place and you know i don't i don't know what they called it but essentially he was inpatient okay and um then they had uh, alcohol anonymous alcoholics anonymous class and all of my siblings, we went down there, and um, my sister was pretty serious about it. You know, she was like, we're going to do this, we're going to do it right, and um, we all have, I, you know, I don't know if it's a morbid sense of humor, or if it's what's gotten us through all this, but it wasn't that we were making fun of it, but we would joke about things, you know, and mm-hmm. we would just kind of tease each other, and then we'd start laughing, and it was like, my sister got mad at us one time, you have to be serious about this, I'm mm-hmm. like, come on. 
Yeah. Dad's not going to be serious about this. Mm. He doesn't want this. He had. It's we court forced ordered. him to do yeah. this. Yeah. Um, he stayed sober for probably about six to eight months, and you know, I mean, he was wonderful. Um, but you could tell. You could look him in the face. You could see it in his face that he hated it. I can tell you, I have a therapist buddy who um, he does relationship counseling, marriage counseling, and uh, addiction counseling. And all of the addiction counseling work he does is court ordered. And he's actually pretty much gotten completely away from it because he hates it so much. Because it's all, like you said, it's all people that are just there to get their piece of paper signed. They don't want to be there. They don't think they're, they have a problem. Or if they do admit they have a problem, they're just not willing to address it anyway. Yeah. And so intent is such a huge part of whether or not someone gets healthy. And I totally understand what you're saying. If your father's not taking it seriously, I don't know why anyone in the family necessarily would. Yeah. And, and you know, we just knew that this, again, was a short-term fix. Um, and he didn't like the 12 steps. He wasn't a fan of the, um, the religion behind it. Um, he wasn't a real religious person. Yes, he believed in God, but he just, you know, go apologize. And I know that's not what it means, but, you know forgive people that have wronged you. And, and he and his brother um, always had a very contentious relationship. Um, and they were eight years apart. So, you know, my dad just, he didn't forgive easy, easily. And it just, it just wasn't going to happen. So for those six to eight months, you know, we took advantage of his sobriety, um, took a trip to see his mom. And, you know, that was a great trip. There was some family drama. I think that really impacted my, my dad again. And then he went back to drinking, but he was doing it slowly, you know, so he might have a beer here or he might have a beer there. But then, of course, the beer turned into, you know, bottles of vodka that he started hiding again in his closet and hiding in the garage. And and then we got back to locking himself in his room and not coming out. And, you know, we would call my mom and say, hey, have you seen dad? No, I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks. And it's like, mom, go put your ear on the door. Can you hear him breathing? Can you hear him moving around? Oh, I don't want to do that. You know, but she was done. Yeah. She was done. And he was just, and he was suffering. Wild. She had her own issues. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, do, he, do you think any, do you think any of, like, I don't know when the diagnosis took place exactly. Do you think any of her issues were compounded? And com- yeah. Compounded, I think is the right way. I don't want to sped up. Yeah. I don't want to, um, reduce mental illness to a reaction to alcoholism. I know it's much more severe than that, but was there an impact there? Yeah, you know, and that's a great question. You know, my sister and I talk about it all the time. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, yeah. Um, And I believe that it did compound it. Um, You know, her her family, they did have, her mom was mentally ill. Um, My grandpa couldn't go to World War I because of my grandma and uh, the women, the, the daughters, there was five girls in the family. They were all had mental illness, my mom and her sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, you know, being, you know, in the air force, my dad had to go first to someplace and my mom coming with the kids and, mm-hmm. you know, having to, I mean, that's, that's a toll. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I like, could have done yeah. it. Um, oh, so I think, you know, Sarah, after what you've been through <laughs> and this, the, how, how we've gotten to know you, yeah. I think you could do just about I anything. Know, I mean, I you know, I mean, she you talks should be about, very proud of yourself. Yeah, thanks. But. So, but you're right. Did, you know, what happened? Did, did his drinking make it worse or, you know, was a mental illness there? I think it was, but did it get compounded? Like you're saying, because of the penchant for, I'm going to have a drink this stress. Week. Yeah. And- and I'm going to have a drink this weekend and I'm not going to help you with the kids or, you know, whatever that may have looked like. Yeah. So 
So now you are married, as we said, to an alcoholic mm-hmm. who is in very early recovery at this point. Yep. And I, I want to go through the whole story, but before we do, I just want to put this out, out there. Y- your siblings do not buy this whole recovery thing. Be- and, and, I'm, and I want to hear what you have to say, but it, it, it's related to their experience with seeing how it didn't work for your, your father. Is that fair to say? I was, that's very fair to say. And also, you know, this, the relationship that I've had with my husband has been tumultuous since we've met. And, you know, the alcoholism has gone up and down and my siblings have heard the difficulties that I've had dealing with them. And, um, you know, the lack of income, the lack of consistent jobs and, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, me shouldering a lot of additional responsibilities that I, you know, honestly, I didn't feel like I signed up for. And, you know, it's, um, so they have that bias, you know, they have that bias as well. Um, and being the baby, always wanting to protect me and, you know, just wanting to make sure that I have the best that, you know, they want what's best for me. Um, and, and they, at least some of them yeah. have to have this, this opinion that you've seen enough to know yeah. this is a deadly thing yes. because you're, you're, I don't think <laughs> we said it, your father did eventually pass away. Yes. Um, he never stopped drinking yeah. and he never stopped smoking, um, died of a massive heart attack. And, and the doctors had even told him with us in this room, you know, many years after, um, we'd gone through AA and all of that and said, you're killing yourself. And he said, Yes. And that's what I plan on doing. And they said, okay, you're going to die of a stroke or you're going to die of a heart attack. And my dad was like, good. I mean, and, and I got furious again. It's like, what is so horrible about us? And, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. understand. I'm finally understanding. It had nothing yeah, to do with absolutely. us. Absolutely. You know, but that took me years to figure out. And I honestly didn't forgive him until after he died. Yeah. Many years after he died. Yeah. And, you know, and then, of course, and then you go back with the guilt and recrimination of wish I could have been more understanding, wish I could have understood it better. You know, I wouldn't have held this against him. I would have given him more grace. And that's... Which, which wouldn't have changed the outcome. No. You know, right? Nope. Um, so my um, older brother had said to me, did you like having an alcoholic father? Mm. I said, no, I didn't. And he said, do you want to continue to live like you are? No. And he said, then why, why do you? And that's my answer was because I want to give grace that I didn't give to my dad. And, um, you know, he, he just said it doesn't change. It just doesn't change. You know that. Yeah. And that's, you're right. That's what they see. That, you know, we went through it for so long. Why will this change? Why do I need to continue to give grace? And, and while they want to protect you and they see you as the youngest, some of them are mad about it. Yeah. They're very, they're, they're very angry. Yeah. They're very angry. Yeah. Um, what a situation you have to deal with. Yeah. It's tough. God. You know, because I'm so close to all of them, and um, they they won't see my husband right now. And a get-together here is me without my husband. Mm-hmm. And that was told to me by my sister-in-law. 
you know, he's not invited. And it's, she said, it's hard for me to say that. And I understand, you know, her husband, my brother, why he feels that way. And she goes, and I'm not far behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister is a little bit more accepting, um, you know, because we talk about things a lot more. Uh, my brothers are fairly reticent. Um, you know, my one brother sent me a text and said, I pray, pray, pray. And he said it three times that I, you don't let him back into your life. And it was like, at that time, I said, I won't. And I have, you know, mm-hmm. and so I feel like I'm disappointing them, you know, that um, I'm breaking their trust. What, what about the, the youngest brother, the closest to your age? We haven't talked uh, probably about a month and a half. Um, my sister-in-law is sort of his proxy. Um, you know, he would never disown me, ever. None of them will. Yeah. But it's really hard for them to know what I've gone through and have faith that this will change. Um, because, like you said before, this is our history. You know, it didn't change with our dad. Yeah. So why would this change? And why didn't I fix this before? You know, why why did I allow this to happen? Yeah. Because that's not really who I am. I mean, I take charge and, man, I make things happen. And they see me continuing to just kind of, you know, come see, come solve. Whatever happens, happens. And that's not who they see me as. Mm-hmm. And I think I that, mean, because they saw you as the person that had to go in and basically tell yeah. your dad. You know, they were like, you they saw you, me, yeah. you know, tell it like it is. Yeah, I was the one that got in his face. I was the one that got in my mom's mm-hmm. face. You know, I was the one that, you know, called them on their crap. And mm-hmm. if they saw that, why? Why am I doing? Why am I so? You know, I don't know, lackadaisical. Why am I just hanging out? And I don't, well, I don't see it as hanging out. You're not. I mean, from we've gotten to know you over the last several months. The last thing you're doing is just hanging out. This is a situation that's eating you up inside, yeah. and it's and it's this, you know, push and pull between what, what your family is mm-hmm. suggesting and and your desire to give your husband grace. And yeah. I mean, he. I'm not here to defend either side, but he is in recovery yep. and he is making progress. And so for you to, to pull the ripcord now, we, you know, we understand how yeah. impossibly hard that would be. And the reason that we wanted to have this conversation and we're so just proud and in awe of you for having it is because there's so many families who don't understand the other side of it. All they know is some man is hurting their sister. Yeah. And as a man who has a sister, that's all I probably would have needed to know too. Yeah. Before I'd been ready to take action or be mad or disown or whatever. Yep. So um, it's such a complicated, difficult issue. And we just, we want people to, that are in similar situations, because there's literally millions of them, to understand it's not as simple as just, look what happened with dad. Didn't you, didn't you learn enough? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's not like that. It's not. And, and you know, I I know my husband, you know, sober. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot, but he has a great heart. 
and he, you know, he, he is smart and he's witty. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. It wasn't about going out to hurt me or hurt, you know, his, his family. But in my sibling's mind, and, and this was really hard for me to grasp, is we can stop drinking whenever we want. Yeah. We don't have to have five drinks. We only have to have one. So why can't you just stop? It's not that simple. No. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we've always, th- and I'm as guilty. I've always thought it was that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would ask him, why can't you just not have a drink? It, you know, it's not something you can explain. It's not something he could explain. Yeah. And I think it Addiction's was. Addiction's a powerful thing. Yeah. 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 And, and, and in my family, none of us are addicted mm-hmm. to alcohol, drugs. You know, when we've always said, how, how were we not? You know, with everything we went through, why that's kind of amazing. Yeah, I know. I'm sitting here thinking the same thing. Like, I only have one sibling, and we had an alcoholic father, but I definitely know that there were periods where she and I overindulged. But sure, I I mean, we just lucked out. But I always think, gosh, you know, what if my yeah, what if we had had more in our family? Or why wasn't I a runaway? You know, what I mean, like all those or into crime. I mean, you know, why didn't we all act out somewhere? Yeah. Acting out. Grace of God, I don't know. And, you know, and I, and I explained I explained to my sister-in-law that, you know, this is my moral compass right now. And, and I can't just pull the pin and run because I have to live with myself. I have to know that I've done everything I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And while it eats me up every day, every hour, you know, you look at somebody's face when they walk in the door. Yeah. You, know, you listen for something in the voice. Um you know, you can tell. Yes. Yeah. So you're just, you're always on edge looking for those things. And and then, you know, okay, they go out. Well, where are they going? Yeah. You know, there's a trigger on that way to that route of where you're going. I know there is. And, you know, the triggers were a liquor store. You know, oh, it's just right there. I'll just go in and get a shot. Well, that's a trigger. Yeah. You know, how are you going to manage that? Um, you know, the holidays coming up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's back up. How did the relationship start? Were you were you guys drinking together when yeah, was, you first got together? So um, we're both divorced, and um, I was married for 20 years and then single for seven. And, you know, around the holidays, you get kind of lonely, and it's like you did the online a couple of times, and you just meet some real winners, air quotes. <laughs> um, and I just, I swore to myself I was never going to do it again, and so then I find, I did it again, um, my hair guy actually told me of a, a website to do, and at that time, 11 years ago, it wasn't as creepy as it is now. Um, and uh, It wasn't farmersonly.com. No. I think they're really arrogant to exclude all the rest of us. Oh my God, us. well, and plus it's hokey. Yeah, I'm just whenever I hear farmersonly.com, I feel really left out. I must listen to the. Why watch the wrong programs and have those commercials? Yeah, maybe you watch the right programs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So you know, he had reached out to me, and I'm like, huh. And um, I wasn't. He's four years younger, and so I wasn't looking for younger, and he wasn't looking for older. But um, for whatever reason, but my my profile was super short it was like two sentences you know and and in there I had a a comment toward I I like scotch and so I had a comment about you know fine steak and scotch and then his profile was much different you know I'm not into the bar scene you know if you're into that not interested blah blah so I go I'm not in the bar scene at all it's just you know like I have a scotch with a nice steak sometimes but so we met and um, oh we talked on the phone first and you know it's just super sweet guy 
and we finally met for uh, breakfast and we closed the restaurant down, you know, met, I don't know, it was probably 10 and they closed at two. We just sat there talking oh, wow. the entire time and you know, it just clicked. It was just, yeah. it was just a really enjoyable time. And then, um, you had a couple follow-up dinners and, um, he had told me, you know, I'm in recovery and, you know, here's what's gone in my prior life. And, um, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm cool with that. You know I mean? I had an alcoholic dad. I'm so, you know, stoked that you can go into recovery. You know, it's not something I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was like, this is awesome, you know? And, um, that wasn't the case though. Um, he had already started drinking, you know, prior to meeting me. And then it just, it, we kind of went from there. Of course, you know, I'm single now. I got a drinking buddy, if you will, you know, and someone who would go out, um, you know, on a weekend and hey, uh-huh. let's go have fun. And then, you know, after a while, I don't know, four months, it's like, okay, this is old. You know, how much mm. can you drink? Oh, the freaking time. And, you know, just then we'd get in fights and then, you know, then you'd go through this period of, okay, we're not going to drink anymore. And then you'd start drinking again. And, um, it just, and then he got in trouble and having to lie about that to my family, you know, that was really hard. Um, because they're not stupid, you know, why are, why is he in jail? I mean, if he just got one DUI, you wouldn't be in jail. You know, you must have, he must've had a lot. And it's like, you know, they're not stupid. Yeah. And, I was not in the habit of lying to my family, to my siblings. And it was, I mean, they could look at me and just know that I was lying. And, um, you know, that wasn't, they didn't like that, you know, because I'm, I'm shouldering the, the finances and, you know, I'm having to lie to them and, you know, having to lie to my friends and, you know, it's just, it, they did, it didn't sit well with them. Um, so that just kind of started it all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things just kind of go from bad to worse, and, um, you know, they they would hear the stories, and, you know, you got in this big old fight, and here's this, and here's that, and, you know, and then I would say, I just, I can't do this anymore, you know, we got, we got to stop, we got to do something, um, and then you'd have the bargaining, okay, I'll stop, I only drink on a Wednesday. Oh, the rules. Yeah, the rules. Yeah, here we um, go. I won't have any shots, you know, yeah. I won't do any more only shots. Only beer. Yeah, only yeah. beer, only wine, you know, only mimosas. Um, I'll only have this many drinks, you know, this doesn't work, you know, and then sometimes it'd be fun. It wouldn't be a bad thing. And then it just, it progressed. Which which is almost worse because you do have some successful times and you're like, oh, okay, Okay, maybe this can be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, well, if I can't beat them, then I'm just going to freaking join them. Yeah. You know, and then I don't metabolize it well. So then I'd feel worse and, um, you know, it just, it just, just went from bad to worse. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, with his parents having to go through all they had gone with him, you know, they would know when he was drinking and they would be really upset. Um, uh, then his dad got really sick and that took him into a whirlwind. So it's just, just a lot of things started happening and they all seemed to kind of accumulate, you know, within the last three or four years. But so, um, we went from the dating site Oh things. yes, so we got, you got married, married somewhere six in months there, right? Later. Okay. So that was another thing that pissed oh. my family off. It was, it was it's like, why do you have months. to get? Yeah, yeah, why do you have to get married so quick? Mm. You know, well, I'm in my mid forties, and I'm like, well, I know what I want. I was married for twenty years. I'm an adult. I'm mature. I know what I want. You know, I, I, I didn't. I wanted someone to love me. I wanted 
You know, I wanted something that my dad wasn't able to give me. I was about to say <laughs> that, and then I'm like, I don't want to psychoanalyze. No, you're, you're right. I don't want to act like that. It took that. me forever to figure that out, too. Okay. You know, um, because you just you just wanted someone to tell you, oh, you look so pretty today. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, my gosh, that's, you know, you're doing a great job. And, you know, my dad didn't do that. You know, I... My dad never went to volleyball games, never went to my softball games. You know, he went to one volleyball game. I mean, I begged him for months. And he smoked. He was a smoker. So he was there for, you know, a couple back and forth volleys. And then he'd go outside and smoke. Mm. And he'd come back in, back and forth. He never sat down, just stood back in the back by the door, and he would leave. So, you know, he never, he just wasn't present. Yeah. You know, he was there. but So I just wanted someone to... I wanted some, I wanted to be special to somebody, mm-hmm. and and he made me feel special. But when he drank, I was really special. You know, oh, you look so pretty, and oh, you smell so good. And then after a while, I'd be like, well, how come you don't tell me those things when you're not drinking? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that got me really angry. Sure. Um, so those those discrepancies, um, and I there was something either. I listened to something that you both had done or you had done, but you were taught, it, maybe it was one of the most recent podcasts that you put, but there was discrepancies, or maybe it's one of the books I'm reading. But, you know, if, if you're hearing a discrepancy, take note of that. Yeah. And I took note of it, but I pushed it away because maybe I'm overreacting. And, that, and that's what he would tell me. You know, oh, my God, you're making such a big deal of it. I do say that. No, you don't, only when you're drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, so then you just, then you start getting bitter and resentful. Sure. Okay, and or and I would even tell him, you know, I I don't know if I like you. I mean, I like you to drink because then you're really nice to me and you compliment me and you tell me that you love me. But I don't like you to drink because I don't like who you are when you drink. You know, on the other. Yeah, and it's like how you how do you you know then I'm going nuts. It's like well, do you want a husband that drinks or you don't want a husband that drinks? Well, I want a husband that you know compliments me, but I don't want you to drink and compliment me mm-hmm. you know alcohol is probably unauthentic too yes yeah yes it's, it's probably enough of a part of his life at this point that he's in pain or discomfort or whatever when he's yeah. sober and that 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 you know the compliments come out when he's drinking because yeah. he's got a little relief yep. feeling wow yep there were some pretty traumatic things that happened um in the marriage in yes. the last few years yep um, are you comfortable sharing sure. any of that? Yep. Um, so my husband, you know, has has fought with depression um, and anxiety um, throughout our time together. And had talked about, you know, not wanting to be, you know, part of the earth or being alive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would, you know, we all, you know, at some point you're like, God, I just, this world is too hard. Life is too hard. Just... Lord, take me. You know, just let me go. Um, my mom would always say that. Oh, I, I don't know why the good Lord doesn't take me. And, you know, and so I understood with my mom. But, sure. you know, he would say that from time to time. And initially I'd be like, oh, don't say that. You know, and I would I would really be concerned about it. Um, I didn't share this one story with you, so I'm going to. But um, I had I travel with work. And I had to go to a different city and actually had to go over a, a holiday so um, Monday was a holiday, and, and I had um, had to get there that Monday, and we were talking on the phone, and I could tell he'd been drinking. And he's like, I'm just, I'm, you know, I've got the gun sitting in front of me. Again, mm-hmm. I'm in a different city, you know, um, miles, 1,500 miles away. 
And, you know, I have the gun sitting in front of me, and I just, I think I'm going to do it. Oh, God. And, I mean, this is, you know, eight years into it, and I said, oh, fuck. I said, I don't have time for this shit, and I hung up. Wow. And I laid there thinking, you're going you're gonna to feel like an asshole mm-hmm. if he really does this. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't even believe you just, you know. So I'm talking to myself and, you know, just beating myself up. And I thought... But you are repeatedly put in positions that humans aren't supposed to be put in. And I just, you know, if you're going to do it, I can't control it. You know, I'm just trying to take care... You know, I'm, again, the financial breadwinner here. Right. I can't just fucking leave. Yeah. I got to stay here with my Is that what that was? Yeah. A call for, please come home? Essentially, it happened a lot when I would travel. You know, Um, a lot of, you know, anger of, you know, I'm not... I'm not caring enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. <laughs> well, then I got a call. It was, you know, um, 2 a.m. Eastern time from his mom. And, you know, did I wake you up? No. <laughs> of course you did. 2 a.m.? Um, no. Yeah. He's just knitting. <laughs> right. <laughs> so his, he had called his brother. And his brother, who was also an addict, drug and alcohol, um, who was going through a recovery at that time. And um, my husband was saying, I'm going to kill myself. So his brother called 911, and they came and took him in an ambulance, and then they put him in the hospital, but, you know, in sort of the behavioral health ward um, mm-hmm. or floor. I hate to say ward, sorry, floor. And um, But, you know, uh, so I flew home against what I absolutely didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, left my colleagues holding the bag, and then find out that um, one of my colleagues there holding the bag for me, his brother had hung himself mm. that same night. What? Yeah. That same night. Oh, oh, my God. And he ended up staying at the client and doing what he was there to do. And I left for someone that was alive, but, you know, was an alcoholic. So it was just, it was horrible. And um, so did that give you more stuff to beat yourself up about? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, mean, I, I can hear it in the way you're saying it. I was absolutely furious. Yeah. And you mad at him. Yeah. Like... Pulling you know, this prank sort yeah. of thing, and yeah, I mean, how, how many times you're going to do this? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But the, I mean, I think it's important that we mess that we say here that the, I mean, you've got to take ser- suicide and suicidal threats super seriously. Absolutely. You don't know where his mind. Really That's is. right. And how how would I couldn't have lived with myself, right? Yeah, I couldn't have. Well, and I think like you know because that's kind of, but you know then that he is still living yes and it's not that you wanted him to kill himself but like you said you can't control it no it was just that like constant sort of attention but also you think about what you grew up with right with your mom not even like checking on your dad right so that like sort of like detachment in your relationship absolutely probably came really easy too to be like yep you know i'm done i can't do it you know Mm -hmm. this is your life i guess here you go so, they, of course, you know, you couldn't go into the room with anything. You know, I had to take off my wedding rings, my earrings, my watch. I mean, I had to leave all my computer stuff out there and talk to a social uh, caseworker. And I said, he needs to go inpatient. You have to put him inpatient. She says, oh, he seems, you know, he seems, we're going to get him on medication. I go, this is a game. He knows the game. Mm-hmm. He's not going to stop drinking. This is a game. Mm-hmm. And I was, I mean, I was angry with her because look I live this yeah he is telling you everything he knows this yeah he is an act he has done this his entire life his entire adult life teenage to adult life he's telling you everything you want to know everything you want to hear oh I don't think so it, it makes me, 
Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, that always is surprising when I hear that because you're like, haven't you done this? Your whole, this is your career? Yes. Aren't, haven't you seen every trick of the book? You yes. know that that's what their game is. Yes. They know what to say. And and he was so he's so good at it. He's so good at it. It does remind me of, um, when you say he's good at it, of when Sherry would get... Now this, you know, to a much less um, severe and life-threatening uh, sense, but when... When Sherry, on the rare time she would get my parents involved, I would flip a switch and know exactly what to say yes. to turn them on her. And, oh, she's crazy. Like, I am living with this crazy woman. Can you believe I have to put up with this? Or then, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then my parents would be just bewildered and wouldn't know what to believe. And um, so I can totally believe that he's, whatever situation he's in. He's manipulating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's manipulating. That's, yeah. that's what we do when we're yep. in our active addiction. Yep. Manipulate for sure. So then fast forward and I'll, I'll talk fast, you no, know, you're doing probably great. A, maybe trying to think a year later, um, the drinking got worse and, um, you know, things escalated with the drinking and it kept drinking and kept drinking and more and more and, um, went to a breakfast, uh, he saw a friend at the bar, so they started doing shots. So now I'm really pissed. It's like, <laughs> you know. I had made this rule, we're not going to breakfast, because you always drink. So we're not going to breakfast. Okay, well, let me, I'll just have two. I'll just have two drinks. Mm. All right. You know, because I want I'm brec- I want to go to, out to breakfast. Yeah. I'm, I get sick of, you know, always staying at home and I, you know. So go out and he sees a friend. Um, they start doing shots. You know, I'm at one end of the bar finishing breakfast. They're down there having a good old time. And... The friend had to leave for a family emergency, and I go down there and like left out my favorite detail. Oh, they were Jaeger shots. <laughs> they were Jaeger shots. This, yeah. this is at Football. breakfast time. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. breakfast. Okay. Broncos are on. Jaeger breakfast. I'm not going to oh. say I've never done that, but I think there is. <laughs> this is something to do. There's something that, right? to that. Yeah. Yes, and who likes Jaeger? I don't. <laughs> um, so I'm mad. I'm like, here we go. You know, another day ruined. We mm-hmm. were supposed to do this at the house. We were supposed to do this. I'm furious. You know, I don't want to create a scene, but, you know, inside I'm just, my head's already exploded off my shoulders. So we get home and, you know, I'm, I'm mad. I'm saying hurtful things, you know. This is why, you know, you can't get your business off the ground because you're always drunk. Now, tomorrow you're going to be hungover and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I can't keep bringing all the money in. Um, so he, he went into our closet and grabbed a loaded three fifty seven and put it to his head right in front of me. And I'm like, what the? So I lunged at him and, and slapped it out of his hand. Um, you know, we scrabbled for it and kind of tussling and getting to the, into the bedroom. And um, I grabbed it again and threw it as hard as I could against the wall. And you can still see the dent in the wall. And, and he's bending down to pick it up. And I'm, you know, kind of jumping on his shoulder. And, oh, my God. And he went, you know, he just kind of backhanded. So it wasn't a backhand at my face or, you know, at me. It's just more of like, you know, to get mm-hmm. me off of him. Mm-hmm. But my face happened to be right where it shouldn't be and it connected with my nose and my eyes and you know, two black eyes and, you know, bloody, bloody nose and and um, the, the gun, thankfully, had broken apart. You know, the, I don't know what you call it, where the bullets are, um, had broken the off. Cliff, yeah. yeah, whatever, from the, the gun. So, unbeknownst to me, because I'm trying to staunch the blood from my nose, he went into the closet again and, and got the shotgun. Oh, God. 
and took off in the car. And I, I didn't know that. And he calls me and I said, you need to come back home now. You have to come back home. You've been drinking. You cannot be driving. I have the shotgun and I'm going to go kill myself. And I'm like, oh. Well, I didn't want to call the police because my face is a mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew where that would lead. So I got in the car and I'm going to go find him. And I'm just, I'm shaking because I'm, I'm mad and now I'm scared. And, you know, where's he going to go? And, you know, what are the chances of me finding him? I mean, I don't know. So I called a non-emergency uh, police line. I said, you know, I need you to put out a bolo on my husband. Here's what he's driving. And here's the license tag. And, you know, their questions are, has he been drinking? Yes. Um, does he have a weapon? Yes. And he's threatening a suicide. You know, ma'am, you need to go back home. No, I'm not going home. So I said, just put out the bolo. I'm looking for him. And I hung up on him. Um, by the way, don't do that. Because they're going to hunt you down. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm looking. I'm driving. I'm looking for him. And I called my uh, brother, who... Um, the one I told you about, you know, why do you want to, you know, you, did you like having a dad who was an alcoholic? Right. So, and so I just, I just needed a voice of, of calmness. And, um, they, they were like, you got to go back home. There's, you can't find him. Yeah. Go back home. And so then I had called my mother-in-law and said, do you, do you know where he may go? And she was extremely upset. Um, so she came over and then the sheriff, the sheriff should call me back and said, you need to go home. I need, you have to go home. You're not going to find him. We have a bolo out. You know, I just, I, we need to get more information. So unbeknownst to me, the brother that I had called, called another brother who came down over to the house. And so my mother-in-law and my brother were there together. Um, sheriffs were there, you know, they're taking pictures, taking a statement, and he had ended up at a at a bar um, where someone knew him. Someone working there recognized him, and he was also sitting at the bar talking to a couple patrons, saying how depressed he was and he was going to kill himself. Um, so they thankfully called the police. Yeah, and he had left, but realized that he was too drunk to drive, which he had already been, but. He passed out in the car, and then that's where the cops mm-hmm. found him. And, of course, took the shotgun and and took him. And, you know, I'd been advised by the, the police not to pick him up from detox. My mother-in-law had said, don't do it. Um, of course, my family said, don't do it. Let mm-hmm. him stay. Um, of course, I did. Went and picked him up. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like if it had been me, I'd want someone to come get me too. And is the the part about how your attitude had changed toward your father is that weighing yeah, in at this point? Yeah, yeah, big time. You know, understand that this is a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, understand that he's hurting, that there's a lot of depression and hurt going on. Um, that I'm not qualified to fix that. Like even if I were qualified I couldn't, you know, fix it. And that perhaps by me showing some grace that he'll he'll finally recognize he needs to get help. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, court ensues and you're doing all that. And um, he did research some programs. 
and found one and um, went and checked it out. So it was, you know, a little bit different. Um, wasn't uh, 12 step because that, you know, he's done that before and didn't work and just, he just didn't believe in the 12, all of the 12 steps. You know, he's very, very Christian, but the 12 steps didn't just didn't work for him. Found another program where they do different, um, use different drugs to um, calm the cravings and, and whatnot. Um, and I said, you know, I'll go with you. So he went to first, the, like the inertial visit uh, solo, and then I went. Um, I was skeptical, very skeptical, very cynical. And, you know, I asked the doctor, so why is this, you know, what, what makes this so much better? And they said, well, it stops the cravings. I was like, okay, well, what about the triggers? Well, no, you know, that, that's what, you know, he has to work on with our groups and, you know, work on the triggers. I'm like, that's not, you know, okay, good luck. Cause I'm thinking that's just not going to work because that, that was huge for him. Um, he stopped taking his medicine and, you know, I would dump the bottle out in my hand. I would count him. I'd take pictures. Sure. Um, he started really hiding the drinking, but I could tell as soon as you walk home or, you know, walk in it, the stumbling, the voice change, you know, the eyes just kind of bleary. I, I was just lose it. You know, why, why are you? What, you know, why is this, you know, why do you have to ruin everything? I mean, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I just, I just felt like I wasn't even me. You know, I was just this rabid person that just getting, my head was just going to blow off at any moment. And it, again, it, it escalated. Um, there was a protection order against him. Um, he wasn't supposed to be in the house or I wasn't supposed to be in the house. Either way, we weren't supposed to be in the house together. together. right? And, you know, it's just like, I'm not leaving. Uh, why do I have to leave? You leave. Well, he's not going to leave, you know, so um, trying to work it out. And then again, one night, just belligerent, um, drinking. I said, that's it. I'm done. And I, I didn't call 911, just called the sheriff. And I said, my husband's here. He's breaking a protection order. Uh, he's drinking. He's not supposed to be drinking. So he, they said, we're on our way, you know, so it was an emergency. Well, he's like, I can't believe you just called, you know, the police. And right. I got called a lot of um, interesting names, and mm-hmm. he got in the vehicle and drove off. I'm like, well, there you go. Here we go again. You know, if something happens, the liability on us is just astronomical. So they got there and, you know, took the information. You know, do you think it will be back? And I said, I don't think so. Um, I called a brother, and they're like, you know, y- you got to be safe. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, you know, I just, I just don't trust it. So, um, how did you feel? Like he's, I he's was threatened himself quite yeah. a bit. I was scared. Yeah. I, I really was scared. This time, I was scared, just because he was so angry that I had called mm-hmm. and you know essentially told on him. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm complicit. Uh, you know, I allowed us to be in this house together mm-hmm. for months. Where you're kind of turning, he thinks you're turning yes. your back on yes. him. And, and I'm as much of yeah. a lawbreaker as he is, you know, so why do you get to call the cops? Well, because mm-hmm. you're doing a lot more than you're, that you're not supposed to be doing. And it, it just sort of felt like I don't have an alternative. How am I going to get this man to realize that this is, this is dire, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so I, you know, I, I had already taken, oh, no, I, did I take out the, no, I hadn't taken out the opener yet. Um, so I barricaded everything and sure enough, he came back, I don't know, three or four hours later and tried to, to get in the house. And 
he, you know, he called and said, you know, what, what the F are you doing? I'm like, you're not coming in. Yeah. You know, you've been drinking all night and I know you have, and you're not coming in. And he's like, I'm going to F you up. I'm going to F you up. And I mean, he said it five or six times and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. He's gone. Terrifying. Yeah. So then I did call 911 and I said, you know, I had my work phone and my personal phone. I'm like, he's back. He's, this is what he just said. I'm scared. I am really scared. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're, you stay on the phone with us. We're sending someone right now. And, um, he'd gotten into the backyard or he had the garage door opener. So he got into the backyard and was trying to get into the sliding glass door. And, um, they finally got there and I could see the flashlights coming in the backyard Mm -hmm. and I could hear him yelling. This is my house. You know, he's slurring really badly. You're not welcome here. And they're, you know, sir, calm down, you know, calm down. And, this was probably a good four or five minute event. Um, I didn't know it, but they had to call for reinforcement. So there were five sheriffs that finally got him under control and, and took him away. Um, so then he wasn't supposed to be bailed out until a Sunday or a Monday, and he got out Saturday night. Didn't know. Um, talking to a girlfriend because, you know, they're concerned. And, you know, are you okay? What are you going to do? What can we do to help? So he arranged for bail himself somehow? Like you weren't involved in that? Yeah. He, so this is how smart, I guess, the alcohol makes a person. I don't know. After he, you know, when I first called the sheriff to come and he went to the bank and withdrew money knowing that he'd have to bail himself out. So he knew he was going. Yep. Before he came back to the house, he knew he was going. He knew he was going. Wow. So he had cash in his pocket, bailed himself out. I'm talking to my girlfriend, you know, my phone keeps, you know, how you get the notification that someone's calling. I don't know this number. I'm not going to answer it. Well, it was the sheriff calling to tell me that he was out. Hmm. Well, now I'm in a freaking panic. Sure. You know, um, although they had left the truck there. So when they came, they took, you know, the truck had been left there. So I pulled it into the garage and taken the opener out. And, um, I, I texted his oldest son and said, did you, you know, bail your dad out? He's like, hell no. And I'm like, oh shit, he's out. Um, so he called me and said, I need an Uber to get home and put the truck out and I'll be, you know, you know, put it out there. I'm like, okay. I'm like, good. You're going. Yeah. You know? So I packed a bag, got it in the truck, kept the garage door opener, locked everything down and, you know, recorded it, saw the Uber. So I could, you know, Uber, you can see where they're at. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he got home and then took off. And then it was, you know, a weekend full three days of, you know, you're just a bitch and you've locked me from our bank account, which I hadn't because my attorney said don't, um, you know. But so he's on a bender at this yeah, point. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got, lot, you know, um, I was accused of letting ladders and tools be stolen out of his truck, which hadn't happened yeah you know and I'm like well maybe it could have been under one of the times that he was out driving around and that's what I said you know you know you got a lock for it why didn't you keep it locked how is that my responsibility well it turns out that what nothing happened they didn't get stolen he was just you know being an asshole yeah um so it was just uh, this whole weekend of all that kind of thing sure and um then he I get a text of you know um, I know you don't care, and I'm sure you're going to block this, but I'm going into rehab, and you're probably going to tell the insurance company not to pay for it. I'm like, huh, I'm not going to say that. I absolutely want you to do this. You have to do this. That's why we have insurance. Just do it. And, you know, and then um, then 
things happened at my house with my dogs and it was just this long drawn out event and I just finally said look I can't be your support system right now I've got so much going on you're you have a support system there you're in rehab make it work and that that's when you know my one brother had said I pray 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 that you don't let him back in your life and you know my other brother called and said you're in the hurricane you know you got to get through the storm you're you're right there in the hurricane and um that's kind of why they're the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering at some point when you are, like like you've described, how your head is exploding off yes. of your shoulders and you're yelling at him. Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you're so frustrated. You're so yeah. put up, you know, with this. But also you think about it when you were a child and you yes. wanted to explode, even though you did say that you exploded on your parents and told them the way it was so yeah. you've just got it amplified yes. and now I can only imagine like that sort of anger like I can sort of feel yeah like it coming back of being like yes. I just want to let it all out because somebody's gonna have to pay the price yes and, and, and sorry that it's him right but, but you you're have trying to, to help me you yeah in in and I had worked so hard after I left my parents house at 18 to have this most non-eventful boring life as much you know no drama I don't want any drama in my life and then here it is it's like it's like a tsunami of drama yeah and I I couldn't deal with it because it took me just like you're saying it took me back to my childhood of walking in the door and you know literally you know you're not looking at anything but you're looking around you're sensing okay what's the pressure on my body. What is the air pressure in this house? What is the tension? Where's my mom? Where's my dad? You know, so mm-hmm. you walk in and you're just listening. You just feel it. Yes. And it's like you could tell. And that's what I was in again. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very interesting. Sherry is is also the daughter of an alcoholic. And so we've both read and researched quite a bit because we were you know, early on trying to figure out how is it that the the child of an alcoholic ends up marrying an alcoholic. And then the more we read and researched, the more we realized, oh, that happens a lot. Like, a lot. I mean, my father wasn't in the house, but he had, you know, weekend visitation. So there was always drama yeah. every and, other weekend or and so whenever he wanted to show up drunk. Yeah. I've really like racked my brain and tried to figure out it through, you know, not making this up myself, but, but from what I've read, why is it that that happens so often? And the, the two reasons that I, of the many that I've read that make the most sense to me is one, you're not as turned off by terrible alcoholic behavior as someone who's never seen it before. If you've lived through it, then, you know, you, you're kind of like, um, it's What's not as bad. You're it, it, complacent in a I way. I mean, the like, red flags is right. It doesn't send up the red yeah, flags as, like, as much it's as it should. It's going to take a lot more to, you know, turn me off. Yeah, like, you, you recognize the behavior you've you've lived you, through before. Yeah, you've lived through it and you think, well, I dealt with it then. I can deal with it again. Yeah. Well, and it can't be Or it's bad. not going to be as bad. Yes. Yeah. And that's the, not, the other piece is what you said before. Um, uh, you know, you weren't able, because of the way you handled it, to influence your father's drinking. You think because the way you handled it, the reality is nothing you were going to do was going to influence your father's drinking. But so it's almost like, well, let me try again with yeah. this person. Let me see if I can do it differently this time. I can do it better. And so both and of, yep. yeah, so both of those reasons that that make the most sense to me anyway, as 
as far as why the children of alcoholics marry alcoholics, I mean, they are front and center in this, this story that you're telling and the pain that you've endured. Yep. Yeah. And in your first marriage, you didn't have that drama. Like you said, you sought out somebody. And like for me, for me with Matt, like I saw some red flags, but I had also ran with a group in high school and in college that partied a lot. Yeah. You know, so it didn't really throw me off, but I was like, oh, he'll mature. Right. He'll grow out of it. Yes. He's not doing drugs the way the other group of friends were doing drugs. It's just alcohol. Exactly. And it'll get better. And yeah. he had all these things going in his favor mm-hmm. that I was like, he'll just mature. He'll get yes. so busy with work. Yep. We'll have, you know. You have, you, yes, you go through all of those internal, you know, arguments or conversations with yourself and... Um, yeah, it's not going to be that bad, mm-hmm. and you'll think you know. And even if it out. is a little bit extra drinking than what I'd like, I'll put up with it because all the other things are good. Are so much better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, when your husband first goes into rehab, mm-hmm. and you've got your brother pleading with you, please, yeah. please, please, yep, um, don't let him back into your life, and you you did file for divorce. I did. And so that was it. Was over. Yep. So interesting, as so, um, I, you know, when all of this had gone down, the end of 2019 and, you know, um, 2020, of course, the pandemic hit um, in, in the time, well, we have multiple dogs and, you know, it's, I don't have any children of my own, uh, biologically I couldn't, so, you know, I don't have someone to easily help me out. You know, my siblings will, of course, but they have their own life too, Sure, you know, um, and other responsibilities. So it's, I always feel like this is my, this is my job. I have to plan appropriately. And in 2020, I'm thinking, well, shit, if something happens, who's going to take care of stuff? You know, who's going to, how am I going to fend for myself? You know, if something happens. So I have been contemplating divorce you know, very seriously in 2020 and, um, you're honestly contemplating it for years, but Mm -hmm. you know, I would go through, okay. And you know, I've talked to you both about my bubble of denial and and I wrap it around me very tightly Mm -hmm. and I'm almost too good at it. And so in 2020, it was like, okay, you know, you, you have to have a plan of action. Mm -hmm. You, you have to know what you're going to do. And I had research attorneys and, you know, um, just really kind of under knowing what I needed to do, what were my options were. And I had talked to them and they said, you know, here's your options. Um, and at that time I wasn't ready. You know, when I had first talked to the attorney, I wasn't ready to, to file for divorce. I, I just wasn't ready. And, you know, a lot of my close friends said, you'll know, you'll know when you're ready. Mm-hmm. You know, you've. You, you'll just know. And, and we even talk we about that, that in recovery, right? In we our do. group. It's like, you'll know. And when this happened, it's like, this is it. I know. And so it was that Friday um, that I I hit the email. And I said, I'm ready. Um, so they, they filed the paper at the court that following Monday. And um, it's out there, mm-hmm. you know. And um, my husband says, you know, I'm holding it over his head. It's like... I'm not holding it over your head. You know, I don't have to sign. I mean, you don't have to sign the papers if you don't want. Uh, of course, there are other options where, you know, the court just says I'm contested and you're divorced. But I can also put a hold on it, if you will. Um, and when he was in recovery, you know, he, we talked about that. When he, he was said, in his inpatient. Inpatient. And yeah. he said, you know, I just... 
please give me a chance. I please, you know, wait for me to see what I'm like on the other side. And that was hard, mm-hmm. you know, because at that time I was like, oh, hell no. I've, I've waited for 11 years mm-hmm. to see you on the other side. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm getting old, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of options you know, do I want to go through this again in three years, in five years? No, well, I don't. You're not a farmer, so you can't go to farmer's only. <laughs> right? Damn it, i got to get some boots. But, you know, I mean, it's just, um, you know, and that's that's what my siblings think about, you know? You have a right to be happy. You have a right to not have this stress and drama in your life, you know? and So when he got out of inpatient... He came home. He came home. Um, you know, his therapist had called a couple times, which really angered me at first. Um, the first time he called, he said, you know, tell me what you want me and your husband to work on. What the hell? I don't... This is not my rehab. Mm-hmm. You figure that out. What does he need to work on? That Why am I going to tell you what you, you're going to work on? Um, and I told my husband, I'm just very offended that he called me and asked me that. Because mm-hmm. I that's not my that's not my role here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. You figure out what you need to work on. What do you need to work on? Um, and then the next uh, another call was that they decided together, my husband and the therapist, that they um, were going to order breathalyzers so that I could um, have my husband, you know, blow into a breathalyzer. I'm like. No, I'm, I don't like that idea. I'm, I'm offended. I'm angered. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to take on that. Why do you have to be yeah, the Yeah, why do I have to be the gatekeeper? Yeah. Um, and their idea was that it was a way to build trust. Well, the way to build trust is not that way. Yeah. You know, be, well, be suspicious. He probably feels a little, you know, offended that you're suspicious. So that's not, that seems to me like that would be more of a breaking trust than rebuilding or keeping you stuck. Any spouse of an alcoholic can tell instantly whether their spouse has been drinking or not. Yeah. You know, and and I have suspected it a couple times. He hadn't. Um, One time I did say, oh, so you know that breathalyzer that you ordered? I'd like you to do that right now. And he's like, and, and he got offended. Mm-hmm. You're kidding me, right? No, you ordered it. You said I could do it anytime I wanted, so I'd like to do it right now. And he he got mad. Yeah. But I had him do it, and no, yeah, it was clear, you know. Um, and then I said, you know, well, what do I, when I start traveling, you know, for work, I'll I'll do it. I'll have it there with me anytime you call. We'll go on video call. I said, oh, well, that's that's pleasant because then as soon as we hang up, you'll just go get a drink. Mm-hmm. Well, you can call me anytime you want. You know, this is just lame. Yeah. I mean, this is lame. I'm not going to play this game. So I put them away. I'm not I'm not going to do it, you know. It was one time just to see how the reaction would be, and I... Yeah, and you got the reaction. And I got the reaction. Yeah. yeah. So I won't do it again. But so, basically, when he got done with rehab, inpatient, he came home, and this is... For you, this is going back to this concept that... Um, if you were in a situation like this, you'd want someone to give you grace. Yes. And honestly, the today's this conversation is the first time I realized where that came from. You wishing that you had handled things differently with your father. Yeah. Rather than be angry at him. Yeah. Have, giving grace to him. Yeah. And so the position that you're in now, which no one 
you know, whatever envy, obviously, is because of the how angry your siblings are, your family is, you're kind of stuck in between these two relationships. I'm really and you, stuck. And you've got to kind of weigh which one's most important to you, that's, more or less. That's what hurts because, you know, my siblings have been with me 50 plus years. Mm-hmm. And gone through hell with me. Mm-hmm. Both, you know, all of us fell and back. And, um, you know, we still love each other so much. And we're best friends. We're all best friends. I and mean, I can call any of them at any time of the day. And they are there. And they're sober there, you know. And um, who do I want to give up? I don't want to give up my siblings. There's some stupid part of me, you know, what uh, my mom was staunch Catholic and sent me to Catholic school and they just hate those damn nuns, you know, because they just burrow into you that you have to be the better person and you have to, you know, treat people as you'd want to be treated. It doesn't always work, you know, and who's going to be there for me at the end of the day and I think it's my family um, and I don't want to let them down and I feel like I really have but I've really let them down but I, you know I wanted I, 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 I want to be a good person and I, I want to be there for my husband and you know I don't know the limit of when when is that and how do I make my family understand that I'm not turning my back on them and that I, I, you know, how do you tell them that I still want you to be there for me when I need you? I mean, how fair is that? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just asking and hoping that they give you some grace yeah. in this period while you're trying to figure your life out yeah. with your husband and his hopefully long-term sobriety. Yeah. Well, one thing that strikes me is that I think it's your turn. I think it's your turn to be the person that gets the grace and that gets the value the high value placed on them because you're stuck in this situation where you're trying to weigh, um, you know, the value of the relationship with your husband versus the value of the relationship with your family. And, you know, I think the prior, you, you know, hopefully you can find a way through all of this mess to prioritize the value of you. I don't know if that makes sense. People talk all the time about, you've got to love yourself first, but let me sit, let me tell you, with what you've been through, nobody deserves love more than you do um, in whatever form. You know, one of the things that we're always really careful to to say is that we aren't psychologists, we aren't therapists, we aren't trained in that way, we don't want to be trained in that way. What, what we see our role is to help people share their story for the benefit of others because there are literally millions of other people that are in a very similar situation to yours. Mm -hmm. And even in our Echoes of Recovery group, that's the point there too. We're not there to to fix people. Mm -hmm. As we all know, you can't fix other people anyway. But we're there to let you tell your story and listen to our story and we'll listen to everyone else's stories and hopefully we can find some answers there from what has worked and what has not worked from other people. But... I have to ask that, I mean, the, with what you've been through both in childhood and with what you're going through now, um, and we can it, delete this out if, if you're not comfortable, but are you in therapy yourself? No, um, I was, and um, I do a lot of introspection 
I try and figure myself out. Um, then, you know, being in the recovery group helps a lot, hearing what everyone has to say. I am not truthful with a therapist. Um, and it's not by design. Mm-hmm. It's by... It's hard to be that vulnerable with a therapist. Um, because I feel they're so clinical. And I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say what a mess I am. Are you afraid of being judged? Are you afraid of that being another person in your life that says, oh, you just need to leave your husband? No. I think... No, and that's a great question. Um, I feel like... Maybe it is part of judgment. Because I was just going to say, I feel like I should be smarter than what I'm doing. So maybe it is a form of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much that they're going to say, oh my God, you need to leave. But, well, have you thought about this? Well, have you thought about that? Well, what about this? And sometimes I just don't know what to say. You know, like you, like a couple Zoom calls I did with a therapist, and I'm just like, hey. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, what do you say? I just yeah. don't know what to say. Sometimes I found that I couldn't really articulate the feelings because yeah. I didn't know myself enough, and maybe it was the codependency. Maybe it was the trait, like one of the traits for being um, an adult child of an alcoholic, and even as a child growing up, you often told lies and you didn't know why you lied. Right. And it was just to kind of protect yourself know, or be right. somebody better or somebody else or somebody you wanted to be, maybe. Because how are they going to react? Yeah, yeah, so, you know, I, w- I often would hide how I really feel because... I didn't feel like I knew myself well enough. Yeah. To and even to know how to articulate it and make it sound like I even knew what I was talking about, so sometimes it was Yeah, I think I think Sherry hit the nail on the head. It's I just I don't even know how to say it. I don't even know how to tell my story. You know, I don't even know and then I feel like, well, for crying out loud, you know, so many people have these kinds of stories. I'm not unique in that. Um so how is a therapist going to help me? You know, it's sort of, it sort of, and it's not that I feel I'm alone. It just sort of feels like I have to find the path that works for me. Um, and I don't know that path yet, I guess. Mm-hmm. That And that's, that's what I'm struggling with. Well, how do I find the path? Will therapy help me find the path? You know, will it make it more clear for me? Or do I just kind of keep walking and then, you know, like we always say, oh, you'll know. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, when I when I hit the the send button, it's like I knew I got I've I've got a file. I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, we're trying to work on things, but there's not a there's not a connection. Um, you know, yes, he's still in recovery, and um, you know, he's working on himself, but it's. You know, his therapist and and you and even my therapist when I was seeing her recommended, you know, having a meeting time, you mm-hmm. know, once a week. And, and that just, I <laughs> was holy hell, that didn't work at all. Um, you know, because I was the only one bringing something to the table. And, you know, you're not willing to work on yourself. And it's like, well, bring something to the table. I, I want to hear it. Um, so it's just... You know, it, I don't know. It, so are you kind of maybe waiting for him to go to a better spot before I, you can yeah. bring those back? Or maybe, and then you see where it is that you need to work yeah. on? Yeah. It's, 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 it's sort of like that 
calming or, you know, it's like when you first get a cut and hasn't quite scabbed yet and it's still kind of goopy and, okay, I'll wait till it, you know, gets a little scabby before I start itching it and picking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of feels like that. Mm-hmm. You know, things just haven't quite healed enough. So, you know, keep things benign. Try mm-hmm. not to start a fight. You know, just kind of, you know, you want some coffee? Okay. Where do you want to go to dinner? Okay. You know, it's just very benign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing real deep yet. Mm-hmm. Well, because well, that was the end of May he came home? Yes. Okay. So it's over 90 days sober now. Okay. Yeah. But back home for 60. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so still um, very... Not quite 60. Not so quite he 60. finished rehab at 55 days. Okay. Yeah. So okay. close. Oh, yeah. But 45, still, yeah. 50, yeah. So it's still very, very new. Yes. Yeah. But, yep. You know, life is is a series of being fake and pushing things down and you know people ask you how you are oh I'm great you know we never tell the truth in any of those kind of things and the authenticity and the vulnerability that we're talking with here and that we've been talking with you with for a few months now uh, it's so painful mm-hmm. you, you, you've you shared with us that um, when when we work together in Echoes of Recovery you come out of this shell that you otherwise live in and that while that's uh, healing and necessary, it's also really painful and it's hard to climb back in the shell after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, our recovery group is, is really raw for me. And I always feel like I'm the only one crying. You know, everyone seems so not put together because we're all a mess, but you know, everyone has their, stuff figured out and I'm the only one flailing you know everyone reads their stories or they talk and they're just they're not crying and then here I am I can't even get the words out because I'm blubbering so bad you know and but Sarah you have to remember I think this is going to be the 97th episode of this podcast I bet Sherry has cried on 65 of the 97 (laughs) because I wasn't in it at the beginning (laughs) yeah and the only reason it's not all of them is because she wasn't in at the beginning I had tears here but I just couldn't Almost everyone that's in Echoes is in Echoes because of how much they relate to Sherry. Yeah. So I think there's a ton of crying going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's interesting that you say that because when I first reached out to you, Matt, I said, well, is Sherry involved in this? And you're like, oh, yeah, she's heavily involved. And it's like, oh, thank God. You know, because it's and not that people can't relate to you, but it's just easier to relate to another spouse who's a female. You know, you just... Because women think the same, you know, that whole thing, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. I mean, it is true, you know. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I feel honored to be in the room. I feel uncomfortable being in the room sometimes. <laughs> but, I, you know, my prime purpose is just to get asked, what's my alcoholic spouse thinking when he's thinking like that? Nice that? What that, the heck is he thinking? It is right. nice that you're okay, honest. Well, here's what he's you, thinking. Yes, and you, you can do, articulate always, yes. and confirm that, yes, they all go through this. Yeah, I just want to confirm that I know my place. I know yes. my, I do the background stuff. I set the stuff up. Uh, and otherwise, I'm just, I, I understand that what's going on is really special between the people that are able to connect that way. I just wanted to say, you know, I know how hard the authenticity and vulnerability is. I know how painful it is. But again, you know, this is not a professional opinion. This is just the opinion of people that have, have been in this space for a while. I just hope that you'll keep going toward that vulnerability and that authenticity because 
I don't know what the answers are for you, but I think that's where the answers are. Okay. I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can add Sherry and I to the list. You already know this of people in this story who really, truly love you and only want the best for you. Thanks. And I would tell you what the best is if I knew. I know. But I don't. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on and telling your story. It's very powerful. Very much so. Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources. If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org. If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, we're ready for you at shoutsobriety.org. No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go to soberevolution.org. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.